And it's Four Blades, the podcast that only records when we win. I'm John, and I'm joined by Ian. Uh, good evening. Dan, who's not wearing all pink tonight. Good evening. And Phil. Good evening. Uh, we're gonna we we're gonna give you a bonus uh, podcast tonight. So we have two parts. We'll talk a little bit about Saturday's game and maybe touch on some recent games. But God, nobody wants to go through those again. Um, and then got a little bit of news uh, about something to do with the club that we're involved in as a podcast with one representative. And in the second half, we've got some absolutely cracking questions. And we're looking forward to uh, deeping, uh, doing a deep dive into the four Deeping? What? (laughs) And did not say deeping. So you can fuck off. (laughs) Right. We're going to go and read the mailbag in a bit without any innuendo about one or two people being involved. Anyway, we played Luton on Saturday afternoon, and I'll be honest, I just about talked myself into going on Saturday morning, and I wasn't enjoying it when I was there, and then that all changed very quickly um, as we grew into the game and put in a very good performance and won. I don't know how everyone else saw it, but yeah, it was uh, a long time coming for those who go up and down the country every week, and... Well, it was the first time I've seen us win this season in the flesh, so it was thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with you. We grew into it. Yeah. I, I thought it was a... Yeah, we had a, obviously the chance in the first 30 seconds, but after that, I thought we were in a... It was a bit of a... bit of a drudge. They they seemed to have a bit more about them, but no real threat. Um, And we just looked a bit scrappy, but then my stream went down. We scored... And, and everything changed from there. I got the stream back, but it, it, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was not. I don't think it was anything anyone would have expected. There's been a lot of whataboutry about picking up on tweets, including one of mine. You know, I questioned the team selection. I worried about. I was worried about the match after last week's performance. Naturally, we all. But I think. I think. I think we were all in the same boat. Question whether. Yeah, we, that's all the team. If we had the worst, just yeah. from. Just from a physical point of view, if nothing else, I think the, the one that um, that was picked up on quite by quite a lot of people, and we're probably going to answer a question about it later on, was the Osborne um, inclusion in the starting eleven. And in actual fact, looking, I, mean, I didn't see the whole of the game, so you, Ian and John, you can talk more about the whole of the game. But having Osborne's experience and mobility around Souza. It's probably quite a smart move because as Brooks, as much as Brooks is a talent and he's clearly going to have a big future in a game and he's going to be big for us in the future, he is just a kid. And playing against a team like Luton who they physically impose you and get about you, it's a smart move from Wilder to uh, have Osborne alongside Sousa in that game and it, and it paid dividends with the performance Sousa put in. I thought he started more out on the left in the channel though, but... I get. I, I, like I, I didn't see the whole game. I yeah, I agree game, so. with what you're saying, mate. In terms of like having the energy and the the busyness around there, um, but yeah, um, but well, yeah, it worked, didn't it? Do, do you know it, what it is? worked? And also, a big thing to mention, I think, is knowing to Davis going off after four minutes. Hope he's all right. Did not look all right. 
crying his eyes out when he went past the away end. Bless him. It but was the other hamstring. It's his other hamstring, though, Wilder said, hasn't he? Yeah. So, I hope it's he's the only hope right. we can cling to. I mean, you know, usually out for 14 months with hamstrings. But then again, God knows, we might come back with five years. We are medical staff. So, um, but like, I think recovering from an injury and having to put a defender on so early as well, like, it's just, there were a lot of things that were very impressive. But, and, but that also comes back to, yeah, you put Lowe in at left back, but then, like you say, Osborne's down that, that sort of channel as well. And it was like you say, it was. I just think that it's a bit like you say, an experienced head, helping organise things with a good engine on him, with a bit of a you know a football brain. I'm not saying Brooks hasn't got that. Brooks has got tons of ability and promise. But I like you said, Dan. I didn't see him having. I didn't believe we'd have that enough about him to to you know compete against their physical presence. But there was a lot to be said for for just ratting about and hassling and harrying and, and doing that say. job. The, the way that Villa ran and passed the way through us, basically whenever they felt like it, the week before, someone had to give him midfield because that midfield just got torn apart. I know the back, I know that the back three, five, whatever you want to call it, was exposed, but it was exposed because for one of the reasons because we were so open and so passive in the middle of the park. So anything was going to be an improvement. And Osborne comes in, and if nothing else, he gives you. Effort and hard work and and that sort of thing, don't they? So it's and it's they combined. Low and Osborne combined to 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 get to get um, to get Archer in for the chance. Which, to be fair, he does very well and like out muscles the defender. Which a lot of times this season we've said in those sort of situations he often cuts back. Yeah, and he actually mm-hmm. like gambles on it, and he, he I've not seen him do that very often, and he, he had the strength. I think it probably helped him, gave him a kick up the arse after the sitter he missed as well. Yeah, like that. That I don't know, think he'll ever miss a chance like that. It's absolutely horrendous. And then I don't know about you lot, but there was no protest in the away end, just like they weren't on the pitch about a handball, and then all of a sudden the game stopped, and before you know it, you're two and a lot. Um, I find, I find the two, the two penalty decisions just bizarre. Edwards, I, Wilder, every pundit are just like, yeah. Fair, fair, I, I, I was unsurprisingly, I watched match of the day Sunday morning, uh, and fair play to Edwards when they asked him about him. He said, "I'll, I'll do both in one. Neither of them are penalties." And you know, he, he didn't just complain about theirs. It is, it's crazy. I would say. Ours is more a penalty than what theirs is, but the rules are shit both ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, their defender is Reese Burke, and it's Reese Burke's arms quite away from his body, and it's a long way, a couple of feet away from where Sousa heads it, and it changes the direction of the ball. Sousa's got his hand on top of his head. Right next to the ball when their player heads it. Well, Sousa gets, Sousa actually the gets, rules Sousa up. gets barged in the back. Yeah. He actually gets barred yeah. in the back, which is one of the reasons his hands naturally go up. And that header's going yeah. out for a goal kick. It's going way wide. So yeah. it's, but, it's, but you're it's, right. I mean, like you say, that neither of them are penalties. Silly decisions. McAtee does really well. Obviously, he'd done the interview with Michael Brown on Football Focus in the week, talking about probably his worst professional game was looting away last year. Remember him physically getting thrown around. We were there, weren't we? Oh, yeah. Um, was... And 
he he was he was dogged uh, and that like tarnished his reputation for a good few months until obviously he kicked on, showed everyone what he was capable of. But there were no, I think he was the one good... taking the penalty. Just just I would, I was just thought it was a I mean obviously put tucks it away lovely, but you would have thought with Archer being on the pitch, if you're a striker, you're gonna want a you know, you're gonna want a, a free shot at goal, aren't you? God knows why, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously they've obviously got a designated. Souza did. And... Souza ran and did the thing as well that he that's become, you know, the holding on to the ball tactic yeah. deployed various times. But yeah, it was the whole team selection from the off was a bit confusing. It's when it popped up at two o'clock, we're obviously all on the WhatsApp groups, and we were in the pub, and it took us a few minutes to work out what was what was going to go on, and then obviously we were like Jesus. I wasn't looking yep. forward to this anyway, but this is going to be a long, long afternoon. But the, how we felt at half-time was a complete contrast, and we played really well. It was an interesting comment from Carlos Alba on the Blades Heaven sort of post-match thing, where he said, yeah, there was a lot lot on social media at, at 2 o'clock with the team news, but you've just got to trust in the manager, and he sees the players week in, week out. And I'm like thinking, yeah, but the manager's held his hand up and said, I got it wrong against Villa. I don't think we and, had... and 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 that and that to me was why I'd got the concerns going into Saturday to a degree. You, you can argue he wouldn't make the same mistake on team selection twice, but you know he's fallible. I mean, that's just a, that's that's in the sort of one one thousand and one things to comment on football with playbook, isn't it? You've got to trust the manager; he knows the team. Like, well, yeah, to a point, but. From what we've seen in the last few weeks, he has no idea who his best team is. And it seemed, let's not rewrite history, eight days ago, he'd got that excited that he could play five at back again. It resulted in a 5 nil loss, playing a high press and five at the back. It's nothing to do with seeing players. It's his tactical naivety. Let's not forget that's why we ended up in the situation we ended up in. Obviously, performances didn't help. But, what what, do, what yeah. do you mean in the pub at? 40 minutes in. <laughs> well, that was a, that was good. Joey Barton thinks we shouldn't have left against Villa. Well, Joey, Joey Barton, Barton got bollocks. Got that Guinness was really nice. Yeah, it was perfect. I had a lovely time. Didn't feel great on Sunday, but yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, back to, back to Luton. Like, I just think there's so many good performances. Holgate had a good game. Thought Bogle was as good as anyone else. I think he's been brilliant. Really need to get him to sign a contract. Anil looked better, although probably not tested as much. Uh, and, I, and I think having Robinson back in, who the fans let him know how much he means to us by singing his name for 90 minutes, which was quite unusual. But, some, you know, they're always the best songs that take off in the away end with no real explanation or reason. I don't think Robinson quite knew what was going on, bless him. Uh, but, yeah. And then second half starts, and we just, it was, I think when they got a penalty, I started to feel nervous, but I don't think their play particularly merited it. And the the nerves, you know, was probably due to my experience of the season so far. I don't know, were you watching at this point in the second half, Phil? When's that? Sorry, I was just reading when... a message from Ian. When they got when they got uh, when they got the pen, were you were you? Watching? No, I didn't turn it on until about seventy five minutes. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I'm sure you got the alerts on your phone. They've just scored a pen. Here we go. They're going to win three. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah. As soon as they, as soon as they got a penalty and scored, you think that, that's what I, I expected. I expected a rousing comeback from Luton and a, a late three-two defeat. And then, obviously, the, at this point, Wilder's changed it a bit. Davis has come on. If we're being honest, I think Heyman was disappointing again. Um, just because he's the player we spent the most money on. Well, no, he isn't. That's Archer. But um, Davis comes on and then it's Davis doing a, a, a good block tackle where the, the ball breaks to Osborne, who slides Sousa in. And I don't think Sousa's hit anything as clean as that since he's been at United. But, it's a good yeah. finish. It's a, it's a lovely finish. That's exactly what you want to, how you want to hear. And he had a... He had a he's been taking video. lessons off Mickey Bunny. <laughs> Unreal video, that. Like, I mean, I don't think McBurney hits it that flush when he connects, so... I'm going to say, that's, that's cleaner than McBurney's ever hit a ball for United. So, I don't know. But yeah, Sousa definitely, um, he's got that, he's very much got cult, um, cult hero status going on. And a lot of people have uh, have been saying it for a while and I'll hold my hand up, I haven't. But Saturday was, if that's how he's going to play for his week in, week out, he'll be one of my favourite players before too long. I think we've seen all season, if you're playing him, it's crucial that you put legs around him. And like I said, whether that is, like you said, Phil, whether that's Osborne, or maybe it's Davis now. Now he's getting back to fitness. But I think if you put legs in, because this is when it, he really struggled earlier in the season when, when he had Norwood alongside him. And there's just so little mobility there. It needs legs and mobility around him. And then you just get him to do what he's built to do and what, yeah. and what he's good at. And well, it was, you know, Archer playing through the middle as well. We've, considering we spent a lot of money on him. Even though he's going back in a few months, um, although he kept like not many clubs would buy a twenty million pound player and then fanny around with him like we have with Archer, particularly in the last couple of months in and out of the team, playing on the wing and stuff. Um, and I think Archer is going to be one of the big questions that we we debate a little bit. But I thought Archer had a really good game and and showed that. I mean, I think we've seen all along these signs he probably does belong at this level. Uh, he probably needs to either play in a two, though, or, or get better service. But if, if Archer plays for a side that creates a lot of chances, he'll score goals. He, he looks like a natural finisher. But like I said, that's, that's a great finish, Saturday, by the way. Yeah, it is. Nine times out of ten, a striker goes far post there. So to pull his foot across it and put it into the near post, the keeper's not expecting it at all. Yeah, he completely does the keeper, doesn't he? Uh, mm. Gives it, yeah. So, yeah, and then we won, lads, and it was surreal, and everybody was hugging each other and acting like we'd won the World Cup. But obviously, in the context of the season, it's we were still bottom of the league on goal difference, even though Burnley had lost three one that day because we've we've shipped so many goals, but we've got that weird derby. Uh, hoodoo off our back at least now and we ended up doing it at the beginning of February it's not like we did it on the last weekend of the season so I suppose it's on to the next target of trying not to concede 100 goals or whatever you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day and I don't I kind of don't I kind of half remember Derby being bad but not they must have been atrocious 
we were talking about it in the pub the other week. It, I think I'm right in saying that they'd got 11 points by Christmas. That was that was, that was Andrew. I think it was yeah. Andrew on Blades Pod that mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. They've got a, they've got all 11 points by now. Wow, that's a bad run, isn't it? They carried on that form until the next season as well. And then they must have been bad. To be as to be as shit as we've been this season and to be as shit as we were three seasons ago, and to comfortably get past their, their eleven points with you know a third at season left or whatever it is. That's I mean the eleven points, that's just that that's horrendous. I mean, we're bad, but that's 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 different level bad, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, it's been we worth were... it just to see that Danny Mills video pop up again this week. <laughs> yeah, we won't have Paddy Power making an advert about us anytime soon. It's just the same. Arsenal didn't manage to score a few more on Sunday and get like the biggest win of the season. So we don't know. But uh, yeah, I think I don't want to come out with any sort of hyperbole. Well, too much anyway. I'm sure everyone can be guilty of it when the team's just won. I'm not saying this means the great escapes on or anything like that, but it will be interesting to see what the impact of getting a result like this is. Um, our fixtures, they're not, I wouldn't say favourable, particularly since one's coming up against a side who scored five goals against us recently, but you just don't know what can happen when you, you have this. And I think I think a fair few coupons got busted by the Blaze on Saturday afternoon. So I reckon a lot of people had that as a banker, which is mental. We just need to we need to back it up now, don't we? We've, yeah, we've won. We beat Wolves, and then we were shit again. We beat Brentford, and then all right, we nearly got something at Villa, but we weren't great. And then we went on another bad run again. Now we need to back this win up with a performance of some sort against Brighton on Sunday, mm. and ideally some points. Yeah, I still think there's a better better than good chance we get turned over by three or four by Brighton. I, I just uh, Why wouldn't you think that? Because that's kind yeah. of what we've done all season. But yeah, I think you're right, Phil. It's, it, it, it's really good. But if it happens in isolation, then yeah, enjoy the fact that we've won and we're not, we're not going to finish on less than 11 points. But unless there's something else to go with it. But I think there's a there are encouraging <clears throat> the encouraging sign is we're able to play with five at the back with a degree of success, which means that we can be more solid because it doesn't work having a back four. And I think through through sheer lack of options, that back five now will probably have to stay the same at least for a couple of weeks until maybe there's a suspension or something. Um, I know we're going to talk about it in the, sec- the second part in the questions, but obviously we've got a bit of a decision to make around the goalkeeper as well. Um, Chad's a bit of... But, like, you know, Archer, Archer scoring, playing well, McAtee's being great throughout, but getting a goal, even be it from the penalty spot, will do in the world of good. And then some of your midfielders starting to show glimpses. He's it, genuinely... A positive performance in other ways other than just the result, isn't it? I think and that's that's it, isn't it? We've got to take those positives this season while we can. Because 
could be too few, like you say, there'd be too few and far between, and we we've never followed anything up to create any sort of room. So, you know, and you look those of those who go week in week out who went on Saturday, fair play to you, you got your rewards. I was offered two tickets back end of last week, and turned them down, thinking I'd go and watch Hallam locally in the FA Vars on Saturday. That got snowed off. Sat at home and watched the Blades pull that in, which you know, like you say, that's that's what that's what the loyal fans who go week in week out deserve to see on an away day. Hundred percent. So we're obviously going to move on to the. Um, we're going to move on to some questions in in the second part of our of our bumper four blades first podcast <laughs> for a few weeks, but. Um, you've been at Bramall Lane this evening, Phil. Now, I know you can't say much about it, uh, but would you like to explain why you've been down? You haven't been like doing a dirty protest against the Prince or something like that, or graffitiing uh, some abuse about a like fellow content creator on the South Stand uh, concourse or anything like that, have you? You've you've been down for, for a positive... I think you've got me all wrong, John. I wouldn't do that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying anything wrong. I've got permission to to tell everybody this. Um, the club put um, some tweets out, some email or some something on the website recently about a fan advisory board. And tonight was the first meeting of that board, of which I'm part of, representing Four Blades on there as well. I think that the the club cookie has, has sort of recognised that we've got a a, a voice. That, that is listened to sometimes, I think because of the fact there's four of us as well and, and knowing that we we don't always agree so we can kind of put our opinions away in the quiet, in, in the right way. Um, so yeah, Fan Advisory Board is coming soon and, and it's, it's for the fans, for the betterment of the club, which can only be a good thing as far as I can see. It's, um, it's, it's overwhelmingly positive, I think, that they're doing anything like this. And I think it's really refreshing that you'll be on it because I, we we have different opinions, Phil. But what we don't differ on is that we want our football club to be run properly, not only for us but for our children and for everyone else and for everyone else's kid and to carry on being existing. And uh, obviously, you can't. You, you touched on how it came about, but after a lot of the sort of negative moves. Maybe that we've seen from the club. I think this is definitely a positive one. It can only. It can't be anything but, can it really? Can only be positive, and obviously, there's going to be limits about. No, of course not. There's going to be limits about things that we can take to the board. There's only certain things that we can influence. I suppose we can't start suggesting players that we're going to buy or anything daft like that. But there are certainly things oh, that we all Twitter's have now disappointed. As fans that aren't run right. <laughs> well, uh, Phil, you you're gonna get that one, and I think, I think. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, can we sign Messi? Yeah. <laughs> but but there are things that we know aren't aren't great that that maybe a voice from the fans can influence, and everything's documented, everything's minuted. So if we bring something that's a genuine concern to the club, it will be documented, and they have to then do something about it or give us a reason why they can't, which will be public knowledge, which I think is great. When I went on Football Heaven at um, just pre-Christmas with Jimmy Ramble and Adam, they asked about resolutions, and mine was for the club to be a, a better club. 
Um, and this is a step in that direction for me. And like you say, the fact that hopefully, you know, along with yourself, there's a, a good mix of views, of ages, the demographic of the fan base is represented. And that's really important. And There is exactly you know, that as well. There is exactly yeah. that. I'm not going to, it's not for my place to, to say who else is on it at this point. The club will do that in due course, probably yeah. this week. But it, what you've just said is bang on. There is a mix of demographic, a mix of different backgrounds, a mix of um, sort of different types of people that are on there. But the, the key thing is that at heart, we've all got Chef United's best interests. So it's exciting. And uh, it's nice that obviously Kev. Clearly a massive fan of Four Blades and decided to reach out. Um, yeah, Kev's Kev's a, a good bloke and he he bleeds bleeds red and white, doesn't he? Anyway, so he's he's got the club's best interests at heart. So it can only it you can only have to you, you can only have to look across the city at the minute to see what happens when fans don't have a voice. Well, or let's not. A voice. Well, all they do in the email the chairman and they get. Get a text message telling him to shut up. <laughs> one one thing I would say is that this is this is a Premier League requirement, so we've got to do this. However, the club isn't just doing it for that reason. They've got a, a requirement of doing a minimum of two per season. We want to do four. The likelihood is we're not going to be in the Premier League next season. They've already committed that it's going to be this group until the end of next season which, like I said, they don't have to do. I've seen and I've looked at, obviously, since I knew this was happening, I've looked at a couple of other clubs and it feels a bit like a tick box exercise to some of them. Some of the documents are hundreds of pages long, whereas ours is succinct and to the point and easy to read. And I genuinely believe that the club are doing it because they want to do it, not just because it's a requirement of the Premier League. Oh, you can't argue with that. Well, that was a very serious way to end part one. And looking at some of the questions we've got, we might have a couple of laughs here in the second part. So uh, don't make a couple don't, of Don't overpromise. I'm pretty sure they will be. Um, not got any surprises, by the way. No, no one knows what anyone's going to say, but I just think it'll be funny uh, to dive deep into the sack and see what comes out. So... Get a cup of tea, pour a beer, do what you do. This is a different sack to Tufty's not sack, by the way, isn't it? Oh yeah, we don't want to go anywhere near that. So yeah, don't want to. Uh, we don't want to copy anyone else's sack or other content for that matter. So here we go. Um, have a cup of tea or whatever. I'm only saying that because I'm looking at one. Um, and yeah, we'll join you in a few minutes and answer some questions. See you in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back to the uh, much vaunted part two of this Four Blades in the Pub. Um, this is Ian, and we're just going to go through our bulging sack. Um, it wasn't a bulging sack until we realised that the Tufty Club had uh, tweeted it out and recorded before they had that many replies. So we, we, we're not bandwagon jumpers at all, but you know. We absolutely are bandwagon jumpers, Ian. We've won a game and we've done a podcast, but we couldn't be arsed for the last three weeks because we've been shy. Okay. So on, on this bandwagon, 
Um, we got a number of good questions, some some serious, some less so. Um, so we'll um, we'll kick it off, and I think the first one comes from uh, Jane Stacey. And Dan, do you want to bring Jane's question to the group? Yeah. So I've not got the exact tweet in front of me, but I, I believe it's on the lines of: Are we a better side with Osborne in versus Osborne out? And I think Phil. Statistically, we've got more points. I think you you said earlier on more points, more goals conceded, less with Osborne in the side. Is that a statistical anomaly, or does he actually make us a better side? I think the danger with this is that sample size is probably the equivalent of an impotent man, you know, clinic sample. <laughs> it's that small. <laughs> Might be playing in the <laughs> clinic. It just doesn't matter. You only get a bucket and half in, and you shouldn't mock people. Right. Um, I think the sample size, without the analogy about, you know, potency, um, is, is telling in this. Um, I feel like Osborne gets unnecessary stick, but I think to overestimate how good he is, after we've spent three of the last five years in the Premier League and he's been around for all that time. And we're now claiming that he's like one of our more important players on the basis of one game, I think would be being very revisionist on some of the performances he has contributed to over that period. And, um, yeah. I, 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 also, I also think it's a bit of a a bit of a damning indictment on the rest of the side, the fact that Osborne comes in and does the absolute minimum, which is work, and run around, and he looks like he's had a a positive impact on the team. That says a lot for how little the rest of the team are actually doing the basics, how little they're... You can talk all you want about the, the sprinting stats and the sprinting numbers and the blah, blah, blah... You can see on your, you can see with your own eyes that the team aren't working hard enough, which is one of the reasons we're getting run through. We're conceding so many goals. We concede a lot of long-range goals, which sometimes people say is unlucky. It's normally indicating that you're not working hard enough and not closing down in the areas you should be and giving people time and space to, to pick a shot. So the fact that he comes in and makes an instant impact and a noticeable impact by just working hard tells me that the players that are playing before him aren't doing the basics and aren't working hard or aren't working hard enough, sorry, and are, are just folding. Is it a case of horses for courses, though, that there are games where Osborne can play and have an impact? And look, we, we didn't think Saturday was that game, but he clearly did. But there's an argument that for other games, when you need we need to open up a bit more, that you need to put someone in there with the exuberance and, and, and the skill of Brooks that might cre create something a bit more from that position? Um, well, I'd, I don't know if I'd fancy seeing him in the midfield three, but playing sort of like out in the channel when we want to be a bit more compact, and especially with McAtee, you're not going to get very much going back towards your own goal, whereas with Osborne you are. Um I'm I'm not against and I'm not slagging him off. I don't dislike him at all. I bought the footballs with tits, Ben Osborne, footballs with tits mug. 
That's how much I like Ben Osborne. But um, he's a very... He's a, That's doing on his CV. Well, he's a, <laughs> he's a reasonably... He's a reasonably capable player and he's incredibly versatile. Um, I just don't know if having him like as a you know one of the first names on the team sheet sort of territory, which I think some of the replies to the initial question would suggest some people are at, I think is balmy, considering there's probably been and I don't have the statistics, but if you count loan fees and wages and stuff, millions and millions of pounds pumped into transfers and players coming into the pub. Uh, pub. I'll tell you what I'd like to do tonight, into the club to play in midfield. And now we're not like to see him get a deal for next season. Well, the Prince is maybe the one who deserves the praise for this after all. Obviously, with Osborne being in the last year of his contract, he might be playing a bit better. <laughs> There's an argument that versatility is helpful I, in the squad. I guess. I think. I think what he brings is 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 functional. He does what he does the basics pretty well. He's not going to. I mean, I think. Heckingbottom had him as a 10 at one point at the start of the season, he's which played, is never going to... I think he's played pretty much every position but centre-half and, and, and goalkeeper, hasn't he, since he's been here? Yeah. And I think... I remember, what Dan, when we used to play together, we the, what we used to say, if, we, if, if we've had a bad defeat, make yourselves hard to beat next game. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're probably a harder team to beat with him in it because of his work rate and because he's quite an intelligent footballer in his positioning and things like that. But he's not going to take us to the next level. We're not, all right, we won on Saturday and ultimately quite comfortably, but I don't think that's because he was there. I think we were harder to beat because he was there. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah. he does would make the assist if Davis doesn't show real bravery to win the ball. And then even then, it just cannons to him. It's Anyway... I like Osborne. I uh, in terms of next season, I think the way of describe. I think Phil's functional, and we'll probably talk about who to give a contract to and stuff at length. But the whole, you know, oh well, you couldn't buy that versatility. If we go down that road, we could make an argument for retaining every single player whose contracts up. We won't get an experienced centre half like this. We won't get a full back who's done this, that, and the other. And that's not how you rebuild a club who needs needs to bring the average age of the playing staff down and also have some fresh ideas. But it's a it's a very interesting. It's clearly something a lot of people are very passionate about. Osborne, I've been. I mean, remember Arsenal away. A young kid and his dad both professed to me that then it should have brought Ryan One A on. Obviously, he did come on eventually because Ben Osborne's the worst player to ever play. United, like that's absolute dog shit, bullshit, nonsense. But he's he's a very limited footballer, but he did play well at the weekend. I think that's a fair summing up. Right, I think we need to we need to go for a bit something that was good, Jane. Very good question, and hope you enjoy tonight's podcast. Uh, podcast, whatever that means. Um, so. 
I've got my phone's gone crazy because that that um that tweet took up a lot of the four blades thread. But Connell, very, very lovely young man. Well, a big traveller to watch United. Uh, comes all the way up from Hampshire for home games and very rarely misses home or away. He says, does League One West stay between the sticks? I don't think with what Wilder came out and said about Ivo being his number one, he straight back in. But Wes did everything he needed to do on Saturday and made a big save at the feet of their striker too. Um, I don't see any point in bringing that other goalkeeper back in. But who knows? You guys? I, I Personally, I'd leave Wes in. Um. <laughs> I think the fact that we're playing Brighton again after Ivo conceded five a day after coming to the country as well against Brighton. Um, we'll probably be having nightmares this weekend. But you're right, Wes did nothing wrong at the weekend. He hasn't done huge amounts wrong all season, in all honesty. I'll I'll die on that hill if I have to. But um, if you're asking me, will he, will he bring Ivo back in? Yeah, I think he probably will do. But I wouldn't. Personally, I would. I, I, would, I would leave Wes out and bring... Gerbic back in because he's he's basically when he came in in Wilder nailed his colours to the mass and said he's the number one the other guys are out of contract so he's the number one Wes is only playing because Gerbic got carried off or taken off against Palace and if it have if Palace if, if Palace had have happened a day before or Luton had happened a day later Gerbic would have played I'm almost certain because he obviously missed the concussion protocol date by one day so to me, if he's your number one, he comes back in. Yeah, I think he will. Yeah, I, I'm proper. I'd proper fence it because I kind of agree with Phil in that he's he could he's coming. He's done well. You deserve him one sense to retain his shirt, but equally, there's that lack of commitment to the club going forward. And Wilder stated that Gerbich is number one, so it kind of swings and roundabouts a little bit for me. Gerbich should come back in, but I can see an argument for why Wes should retain the shirt in the circumstances. Yeah, there's about 12 arguments, isn't there? Uh, however many goals he's let in. I don't know. It's, um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. But uh, it was lovely to see you on Saturday, as always, Connell. And you look like you're enjoying those chicken wings that you'd bought from the place next to the away end on your way in at one minute to three. Very jealous. Uh, but you didn't offer me one, you tight bastard. So next uh, question. Eggy said, how big is your nutsack compared to Tufty Club? Phil, over to you. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen Tufty Club's nutsack, so I can't answer it. No, I think... Um... I'm sat in my conservatory, so mine's rather small at the minute. <laughs> I think <laughs> Ian, go on then. I was trying to keep you off the microphone when we we're talking about nether regions, but you have to get your uh, get your hot take nah, so on. I'll withdraw. <laughs> go okay. on. No, I think I think we'll we'll put it behind a paywall. Yeah, four blades right. on the fans. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Right. Music to my ears, this lad, said Andrew Jackson at the news we were going to do a podcast. That's that's very nice, Andrew. Thanks for that. Okay. What has Wilder got against Archer? He's clearly a cut above in terms of finishing, at least. Also, despite his ob obvious value, 
I would personally get rid of Ollie Mack next year due to the fact he cannot stay fit for a run of games. Thoughts? What does Wilder have against Archer? And do we get rid of McBurney? Spicy. Absolutely, yes. Get rid of McBurney. Do not give him. Do not let him anywhere near a fucking pen and a contract in the same room. I just I can't see any benefit in in giving him a deal because he'll 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 sign a contract and he'll play eighteen games next season, and he'll miss a shitload of in, he'll miss a shitload of games through stupid suspensions and. I mean, he's missed three games with a tight calf. Yeah, no. Do, do, for me, do not give him a, a contract at all. And I would imagine, and I think I don't think it's that Wilder's got something a, a, against Archer. I think, in spite of what Wilder says, that we, you know, we're still fighting and we still think we've got a chance of staying up. I think deep down he knows we're down, and he's probably switched off a bit from Archer, thinking, well, he's not going to be here next season, so I'm better off. Giving minutes to to someone like a Sula who's going to be here next season, who I can look to kind of bed into the team. Obviously, played him at the weekend. I would have, you know, possibly played him more out of necessity than choice. Give a Sula a bit of a rest. Um, that would be my take on it. Yeah, mine's exactly the same as that. Dan. I I think that we all know that there's a, a substantial chance that he ain't going to be here next season. And I'm sure he's fighting for the cause, but like you say, we've we've got to look to the future. All all we're doing is developing one of Villa's youngsters instead of developing one of our own, aren't we? And I do like Archer. That's nothing against Archer, and I'd love him to be still here next season because I think he'd get a shitload in the Championship next season for us. And I do think he'll end up having a decent Premier League career. But if he ain't going to be here next season because of the 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 the, the, the kind of ma- the uh, the details of the deal, then yeah, there's no point to me. I, I'd agree with all of that. I'd let I wouldn't retain McBurney. I'd probably ret- find out who this uh, Mackie Bunny is, who's inspiring Susan to finish like that, and look at offering him a contract, maybe. But uh... yeah, um, in terms of Archer, I feel like Archer maybe has not. I'm not say down tools, but maybe not looked as up for it. Throughout January, as Wilder probably would have wanted. Um, and obviously, it might have been a different story if Archer scores the two goals at Gillingham, not Asula. But he got that that sort of met, like dictated a little bit. And before Bereton Diaz came in, he played on the left. So he's sort of like the, I think the spotlight is in, of him being the main goal, goal, goal scoring threat sort of dropped off him a little bit. And then like you say, he wanted to invest in players that he knew were here next season, but I don't know, maybe maybe now we'll start seeing him through the middle again. Who knows? That's from just just on that, there was an interesting tweet from Jimmy Ramble today, well, I think it was today or yesterday, suggesting why would, um, are we a better, we're a better side without Burton Diaz in it, we're a better team without Burton Diaz. Okay. Now, whether that's on the back of one game, don't know. But I found that quite bizarre because he's offers more more threat in the games he's played than any front man's offered all season for us. I think. I think. I mean, in the sample size of Villa, he was in it. Luton, he wasn't. Yeah, 
we were a better side Saturday than we were the previous Saturday, but surely we're a better side with Diaz, isn't it? Yeah. Well, considering we against West Ham, Brighton, even like we we had some and Palace, we scored in all those games two goals. And on Saturday, yeah, we scored three, but for the rest of the season, we've barely been able to hit a fucking barn door. I think it's non that's absolute nonsense. Burton Diaz has looked brilliant and I was absolutely gutted he wasn't in on Saturday. And I can't wait till he's fit because I think he's unfortunately another one who won't be here next year, but he really will make a difference for us because he's got something he's he's got something that none of our other players have got. And it really upsets me to say this, but I wouldn't give McBurnie a contract unless he can get himself in shape and play consistently for the rest of the season. Then I'd be, I'd consider it. But apparently the club have been trying to tie him down anyway, haven't they? Do we um, think there's, yeah. there's any chance that McBurney is trying to protect himself ahead of a move next season? No idea. Because he can sign a pre-contract now, obviously, with... Overseas clubs, which I'm guessing includes Rangers, which would be his dream move. Well, if they want him, then he's going to go, isn't he? But yeah, it's with a fit McBurney, we can't sign someone, a target man who can offer an option as a backup striker and chip in with the goals and contribute. We can get so. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one that, uh, but I I would predict that we he won't be here next season, McBurney, because I think he'll be one he'd want a decent bike that above what we'll be paying. But also predict that I, we might see a bit more of Archer over the next couple of weeks anyway, particularly now he's putting a decent shift because you know he's he's a real he's a real finisher. So who knows? Especially if, if Diaz is injured, but I, I think anyone saying that we're not not any like we're better side without Diaz, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that that that's, not having that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not having that in the slightest. Sorry, Jimmy. Um, Phil Jackson. Oh no, that's not that. Right, this is a good one. <laughs> no, Phil was just jumping on to Connell's question about the keeper. Uh, Joel Bayton had a mention on here before being a well dressed, good looking man. He said, I'd like your takes on which pubs some of the current Blaze players would be and why. E.g. Ben Osborne, head of steam, steady and reliable, without being remarkable. Jack Robinson, brown bear, rough around the edges, but with time you can only help to love it. What do we think then? Because I've got plenty of ideas for this. I'll kick it off. Anel Amahodzic, the big tree, because that's what he's played like most of the season. Uh, I would have said I would have said walkabout because he seems to have gone walkabout from his. Now that's West. Well, I, I was just disappointed there wasn't a pub in Sheffield called the Open Arms. To be honest, <laughs> um, I want to say Chris Basham, Bessemer, not the best to look at, not laced with class, but seems to have been around forever. Reliable and everybody has got everybody connected to Sheffield slash Sheffield United's got a a place place in the heart for it on some level. 
I've got one that's more of a club than a pub, if you'll allow me that. I was going to say Cameron Archer, Cameron Archer and the Leadmill. Just no one quite knows who's going to own it in six months' time. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the only one that I can think of is Ollie McBurney. Is the old Queen's Head. It's just fucking falling apart. <laughs> I was going to say the Market Tavern, but it's fallen down. Well, they've pulled it down. Um, Benny Traore, uh, the Head and Chickens, nobody has any idea why it's still open or how it's able to function, just like nobody knows why we signed him in the first place in the summer. Um, I mean, we could do some Blades players from the past. Uh, but yeah, we should have maybe wrote these down. Any any other suggestions, Ian? Um, no, because mine was there were some terrible puns and plays on words, and you've all the too many of those from me over the years, so I'm not going down there. Okay. Um, anything for Sousa? Is it, is he not like your kind of home bar at home rather than a pub? I.e., it's just like a big fridge in the corner. <laughs> I was thinking like one of those like craft beer shops where you go in and help yourself to whatever you fancy from the fridge and you can sit in and drink it or take it home. Um, yeah. Uh, tr- 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 what would Trusty be? Because we don't really have uh, TGI Fridays. Um, <laughs> no, is, there, is there a pub that, I don't know, is there a pub in Sheffield that talks a rate game but when you actually... When you actually go in there, it's really it's shit and expensive. TGI Fridays. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we should have probably put some put some more effort in. Obviously, John Egan, um, a good one for John Egan would be the grapes. Quintessentially Irish, been around for a long time, but still worth its weight in gold. Um. You know, going across. Well, I mean, what would Bogle be? Mm. Maybe like a really flashy bar that you just don't know when it's going to be open or not. Could be open at like random time. <laughs> this place by its own rules. I don't. Yeah, what's that one called on Ecky Road opposite Kettle Black? Kettle black, that's Bogle. Yeah, bit bit flashy. What what used to be what used to be Menzel's? Yeah, that can be Bogle. What about Larucci? That they'd be more like a shisha bar, wouldn't it? Algerian, probably. And before we embarrass ourselves with our lack of knowledge on pubs and actually who plays for United, um, we will <laughs> go to. The next question. Don't know if there's any more. No. Brilliantly researched pod as per normal. <laughs> He's just loads of stuff about Osborne. <laughs> he may have his weakness. This, is, this is how much work goes into this pod pre record. Oh, here's a good one. James Moore. No relation to Simon, but looks equally handsome and athletic. Uh, maybe something about realistic outcomes from here. 
Category one, getting the green light, a style of play to be ready for the championship. I think both of those suggestions from James would be fantastic outcomes for the season. Um, but I don't think the green... Is, is, is up in the in the academy to cap one still... Is that still on the agenda? I've not heard yeah, anything about so. it for ages. Yeah, I think so. I, I guess would would how much it's going to cost to get it there, though, and whether that's possible at Shirecliston. I thought it was, yeah, it was something to do with like technical requirements. Because hmm. at one stage they were obviously talking about moving the first team somewhere else and having keeping Shirecliston as the academy, and then upgrading it to 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 try and get Cat One status, but. The, the whole training ground thing seems to have gone quiet because there were there was talk at one point of them buying Lightwood, weren't there? Yeah. Talk at one point yeah. of the club buying Lightwood and building a, a brand new training facility on there. But can you see the Prince throwing that much money at it? What? Not while no. he's trying to sell the club. Because that's, I mean, that's that's a massive investment. Buying Lightwood and building on that is tens of millions of pounds. That isn't it. Yeah, it'd mean a lot to me. It's where I crashed my dad's car learning to drive straight into a tree. Well, I think... Ian, Ian Rand's... Ian Rand's well, John Rand's Datsun's Sunny Memorial Tree. <laughs> you name, corner of the you name a training academy. pitch after your dad's Datsun's Sunny. Yeah. I think, obviously, that would be an aspirational target, but I don't think, unfortunately, that there's anything wrong with your suggestion, James, but I think it'd be absolutely... I mean, I think... Realistic, realistic aspirational targets for the rest of the season is start to put plans in place for next season. Because, like I said, as much as people still think, certain people are still saying we've still got a chance, and Saturday's made that a bit more, a bit more realistic. We don't uh, realistically we're not staying up, so the we need to use the rest of the season to build for next season. Decide who we want, who we don't want, how we are going to play. Is Wilder going to go back to his tried and tested five at the back? What's the plan? Who's going to be here? Who's not? That that it's the rest of the. You've almost got to use the rest of the season as a series of friendlies to to get yourself an idea of what you're doing next season. The only problem with that is if assuming everybody's fit, there's a fair chance that three of our starting eleven are definitely not going to be here next year. In Archer, Cameron, uh, um, Brereton Diaz, and McAtee. uh, Mason Holgate, and, and Mason, and uh, McAtee, yes, yeah, a four, yeah. I mean, but I think get... if we're just looking at this season in isolation, one hope that I would have, I still think we'll go down, but let's not finish bottom, let's get um, Burnley bottom of the league, yeah, that'd be good. I'd yeah. love to see, comp- I'd love to see company finish bottom. What did we finish on points wise last time? 22? 21. I think it was 21. Okay. That has to be the next target then. So another, another, another nine points to top that. I mean, you can't actually have this as a target realistically, but we've not got, we've got Arsenal at home, but then outside of that, we haven't got like we've oh we've got Liverpool away. Ignore me. But what I'm trying like try to try to get something against one of the big guns would be a sort of you know for the fans. 
it'd be sort of an unwritten target I'd have. And also try to avoid like getting done four, five, six nil again because it's just painful to watch for the supporters. And um I'd love us to win a game that you really don't expect us to win. Like Arsenal have always had a bit of a problem coming here. Or beat Man U away or something because they've got Yes, some daft like that. Twenty three points oh, we got last time, oh, by the way. Or turn Thank Newcastle you. over away and get an element of not revenge because it's not eight nil, is it? But do you know what I mean? Just go to St James's and, and get something. That, yeah, that, a, re- a really unexpected result. Yeah. Get Eddie point. Howe the sack. <laughs> You'd love that, wouldn't you, Dan? <laughs> I'd love that, and I'd love whenever when are we at Anfield, someone to smash the ball into Klopp's face and loosen his fucking veneers. <laughs> John's pretending he didn't hear that. God, listen, I've got to play partisan, boys. I've got to be partisan. But no, um, something like that. A, a result that a real good win against somebody, you know, going and getting something at Anfield, Old Trafford, doing Chelsea at home, doing Arsenal at home. These are all things we've, we've done before. Well, let's, be, let's be realistic. Burnley. Let, let's beat Burnley at Lane. Let's, let's try and get a modicum of revenge for getting... Bent over five nil at their place. Yeah, I mean, and if, I'd, I'd like to say another one is to try and put some put a run of results together. Not that maybe I think it'd be a real ask to um, stay up, obviously. But like, you know, get something, get something against Brighton, and go and get something at Wolves, which will be really tough. But. Stranger things have happened, you know. Forest have still got to come to Lane as well, haven't they? And we've yeah. got to go to Everton. So yeah, I think, I think genuinely like trying to carve out more moments, like the Archer goal at Villa, like the Norwood penalty against Wolves, like Souza's goal and the celebrations on Saturday. Carve out some more su- moments like that for the part supporters. That for me is more important than I don't think you can necessarily work on a style of play when the personnel is going to be so drastically different. It's a great in principle, but if you don't know who the playing staff's going to be, which we don't, and, and and you can't blood too many youngsters who might be at the club next season in the Premier League because some of them aren't ready for that yet. Now, can be detrimental. Yeah, yeah, it could be, yeah. So, good question. We'd love an academy that was Category 1. That would be great. And, you know, yeah. So, I suppose, like, what remains is we've got about six minutes. Have we got any questions for each other? I mean, that mail sack wasn't that big, was it? I think it was more like four or five, but, you know. Um. What what sort of questions have we got for each other? For me, it'd be out of the all the out of contract players, who do you think's the most important to get signed a new contract? Oliver Arblaster. Is he up in the summer? I think so. I think that one's not far off done, is it? From what from everything Wilder was saying, I think that's not far off done. Been not far off done for about a month. Yeah. Just worries me that he's holding out. Obviously, Jebison's in a similar situation as well. 
other than, other than the youngsters, I'm not sure how many of the individually. I'm not sure how many of the players it would be like imperative to sign. The problem is it's it's the cumulative effect. So if it was just like Bogle and Norwood, you'd say okay, yeah, we can replace them. The fact is, if you've got to replace all of them, replacing fifteen players or whatever it is, if it ends up being twelve players over a summer just to get your squad to the status quo is a massive undertaking from a from a financial outlay point of view and a, a kind of team cohesion point of view. You you got to bed 12, 15 players into a squad over a pre-season. That's not it, it that's is not when for a, a successful start to the season. when you add to that, so Bogle's out of contract, as is Baldock. Yeah. So there's no right back. All three goalkeepers behind Gerbich are out of contract. I'm, f- I'm no fairly sure that the, the young the young Irish lad will be there or thereabouts if he's as good as, as, as a right back. Yeah. yeah, as a right back, yeah, probably so. But th- three goalkeepers out of contract at the same yeah. time, bonkers. Yeah. Imagine if we kept Marcus Dewhurst as well. <laughs> How long was he here for? Gone, yeah, I was going to yeah. say though, he's been he'd been here years. Who would so you'd go our blaster, Phil? Dan, you're not sure. I would, of all of them, I'm not a massive fan of his, but I would probably say Bogle, just because he's good. We know he's a good championship player. He's obviously in a good vein of form at the minute, and there is a level of resale value to him. So, like, if you, if if we re-sign like your Bashams, your Egan's, your Baldocks, if you give them a two-year contract three-year contract, whatever it is, there's no resale value on because they're all hitting 30. Bogle's 20... I think he's 22 or something like that. He's only young. Is he as young as that, 22? 22, 23, something like that. So in that case, Bogle on a two- or three-year contract, if he carries on playing the way he is, there's a level of resale, there's a level of... He kind of retains a level of value as well as being an asset to the squad. So I would probably say Bogle. Yeah. I'd probably agree with Bogle. I'd probably agree with Dan on Bogle on that point, just because of the. Like I say he's 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 probably the, got the most value of any player we've got, and we'll do it at that level. I think the other one, it just depends what he's like coming back from injury. But having Johnny Egan back, and again at Championship level, and a captain, you know. I think he, he was get, he wasn't playing great. Don't get me wrong. I think he was probably in probably on a worse run of form since he's been at the lane, but still a leader and a, and a defense. You know, a good defender for championship level there. Egan. But it depends depends how he comes back from injury. Yeah, that's the thing. Isn't it? Egan was my choice hundred percent. I like. I just think it's more. He, it's worth the lack of resale value for the leadership and the we talk about the connection with the supporters, we talk about understanding what it means to play for United and stuff like that. I mean, also, this is the only time since we've had him he's had a prolonged period out injured. Hopefully it's just a one and done and it's not like the start of loads of niggly ones. But yeah, I'd, I'd have Egan. I'd, I'd the other thing with be... Egan is there's a good chance I'm Hodzic's not going to be here next year. Yeah, that's the thing. Emma Hodge is just not going to be here. Like you said, Holgate's, there's every chance Holgate's not going to be here next season. 
So yeah, you've got to be. Um, I think I think you've got to be looking to not have some degree of continuity in terms of your senior player at the club. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't have to give them a long deal either. You could, you know, that you, you could give them yeah. a one year, just to, like I said, just to give you a bit of time to replace five or six this season and five or six next season, just stagger it a bit so that there's, you know, there's, assuming we're thinking that that logically, then that's that's an option. I mean, we've only got one minute left, so I was thinking we could potentially discuss our favourite John Flake moments, but obviously there's too many to discuss in one minute. Um, we'll save that for after the next defeat so we do have to pod <laughs> that sounds good uh, quick score predictions for Sunday I think it will be 2-2 two, 2-1 two. Two, Brighton 3-1 Brighton 2-1 Blades mm-hmm. you can tell he works at club now can't you right anyway <laughs> work you need to get paid <laughs> Uh, boys, that was an absolute pleasure. Um, everyone, hope you enjoy the game on Sunday. Only one thing to say: up those bloody blades! Up the blades! Up the blades! Up the blades. Up the blades.